We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. Ankle Watch, day two. What's up, everybody? This is the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, our partners in Possible here at KC Sports Network. I'm here with my friends, Maddie Lane. Hello, happy Monday to you. How you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Um, I tried to like ship an ankle, and apparently it's not that easy. <laughs> There's a lot of rules and regulations about trying to ship an ankle across state lines. So I don't know. It, that that was tricky. Um, besides that, you know, I'm good. I I really don't want to spend the next six days talking about an injury and the potential of an injury. Like it's just, you know what I mean? It's the playoffs, and like there's an injury thing that's going on now that we have to talk about, but it's kind of dampened the excitement for this game for a little while. I It has, but luckily for you, Maddie, I actually did figure out how to ship an ankle across state lines. So Patrick, <laughs> unfortunately, has to deal with my old ass ankle. So it's not really going to help him. I was going to say, but... I've seen you, I've seen you, you know, go up the stairs at Arrowhead. I don't know if your oh, ankle's man. helping him a Oof. lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably not helping him. Yeah. Yes, for a good ankle, Craig. Well, I sent him an ankle, okay? <laughs> that's just creepy. If It's not going to help. Uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody that's watching and listening. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. This is uh, our Monday episode. The next time you see all of us, we're going to be together in Las Vegas. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of shows from The Win. Uh, we're going to be doing a live watch party at The Win las vegas at the blue wire studios uh it's gonna be a lot of fun you know watching live watch party for uh chiefs Bengals because the kansas city chiefs uh season is still alive as is the cincinnati Bengals. they will be matching up in arrowhead uh all those all those uh refunds are, are going out right now for the for the atlanta game don't worry Bengals fans you guys definitely weren't setting up pre pre-orders for Bengals jags don't tell zach taylor that uh, God forbid people plan. Sorry, just really, just these. these. I can't stand the Frogles, but I find that storyline one of the weirdest things in the world. Like, I from his point of view, why would he not push that down? Like, that's a very easy thing to get motivation out of your team. Is that there's pre-sell tickets to a neutral site game? He's already on record as saying. Uh, to the media that they're already looking for any bit of motivation they can because they're 20 weeks in like that one that reeks of desperation from a fraudulent <laughs> franchise if you ask me but two like Chiefs fans getting mad that he's trying to like use that as something is just it's so awkward like I think it's a great thing to use if I were him I mean it's the same way that the Chiefs are going to use this underdog storyline yeah. here which Love they it. officially are now uh, DraftKings Sportsbook has the Bengals as one point favorites so the right. Chiefs are officially the underdogs. 
So we don't have to fabricate that. We're the underdogs. Nobody believes in a storyline. It's actually true. Vegas doesn't believe in them, so they can use that for motivation. Everybody's looking for motivation at this time of the year. It's fine. You convince yourself that nobody believes in you. You convince yourself. Tom Brady laid on the nobody believes in us narrative all the way to his seventh ring. I mean, come on, man. Like, there's, there's, <laughs> there, there's going to be a ton of this. Georgia treated TCU like the Citadel yep. two weeks ago with the nobody believed in us <laughs> narrative. Like, come on. I don't you know. You guys know during um, Saban's like initial Bama run at one of their hotels before a national title game, they printed off fake newspaper articles and passed them around the hotel that was talking them about being underdogs for the game. They literally printed out fake newspaper articles <sighs> and spread it around the entire hotel. Guess who was on that staff? Kirby Smart. So yeah, yeah, maybe Georgia did believe they were underdogs at TCU. Hey, whatever you need to do, I guess. Yeah. Uh, whatever you need to do. Uh, hopefully it's not enough here in uh, in seven days. The reason the Chiefs are the underdogs moving, the, le- the reason the line has moved so much is because of Patrick Mahomes' ankle. Uh, I don't think I need to tell anybody listening to that that's why. There have been some updates from Andy Reid uh, in some capacity about the angle. There's really not a ton you're going to be able to glean, uh, but there definitely is some interesting updates. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I think the most interesting one, uh, the ankle injury for Mahomes isn't as... This is coming from Rob Collins from uh, Fox 4KC. Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, the ankle injury for Mahomes isn't as bad as it was in 2019. It's sore but not quite the same. If you were going to get any kind of update on a high ankle sprain where <laughs> it's not as bad as 2019, I mean, like, that's that's about as good of a, of a report as you can hear, Matt. It is. Um, that's, I got, I'm torn on this, right? This is the information is what I want to hear. The information being told to us is exactly what I want to hear as a fan to make me feel good that, he's going to be able to go out there and at the very least make every throw. His ankle is going to be fine to torque into any throw he needs to from any angle. He should be able to, if this is the case, should be able to at least move around the pocket and evade a couple rushers, maybe not take off and run, but evade some players, right? That's what you want to hear. The problem I have with this is why are you pushing this so hard? Why are the chiefs pushing so hard that he feels just fine? Just the back, you know, the, the hairs in the back of my neck are going up. Every time I read a new little news bit about he's doing great. He's feeling good tomorrow. We're going to hear that he's pushing a sled or sprinting uphill. And it's just like, I, you know, I don't know about this. So like you just, pushing a I'm, a sled. Li- I'm a little nervous that they are trying to oversell the health. Like it's a high ankle sprain. We all saw it. That thing sucks. That's going to suck. We don't like, hey, we don't have to downplay how bad it'll suck. You, if anything, even if he's feeling good, you want the Bengals to think he's limited. You want them to think he's not feeling good. So the fact that they are so pushing out this narrative so hard that he's fine, maybe it's inspiring some fans and that's more of what they're going for. But I don't know. It's just, it's a weird game plan to me if you're trying to show a little bit of gamesmanship to the Bengals. And it makes me wonder if they aren't and that the ankle isn't that great. I mean, if you listen to Andy, and Andy's the one that's going to have the true gamesmanship here. Um, Andy Reid said Monday, the Chiefs aren't certain whether or not they're going to be able to go with Mahomes or have to use Chad Henney as quarterback on Sunday. There's your gamesmanship right there. You know, I know Mahomes said he was going to play, but, you know, Andy's saying, you know, that's his mindset. We're going to take it day by day and see how he does. That that more is in line with what we're used to seeing from Andy Reid with injuries. That's more in line with that sort of stuff. I think the stuff that we're hearing leaking out about his health, things like that, the ankles, great, all of that. Who knows? Maybe that's coming from a homes camp because he's just sitting there and he's going, I'm going to play. I want to play. I want this to be out there. I want to make it hard for them to try and tell me that I can't be in the game because we saw the reaction of him on the sideline. He wanted to be in that game the entire time. He did not want to go back and get that x-ray. He did not want to sit on the sidelines for the entire Chad Henney drive. That's not at all what he was interested in. So to see, to hear that, it makes me think it's coming from a homes camp, especially since Andy Reid's sitting there going, well, who knows? Maybe it's going to be a Chad week. No, it's not going to be a Chad week. We all know it's not going to be a Chad week. So I, I, I think that it's more status quo from that standpoint. And maybe we're hearing a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff from the Mahomes side. 
I think there's just a lot of mixed signals being thrown out there, and that's probably not a bad thing because, like, even Andy Reid at one point did say, like, well, he's playing. <laughs> I mean, it's like, like, Holmes isn't letting them. This isn't happening. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's kind of just interesting to hear just kind of all of these different signals being thrown out, you know, and I, and that, that might be a little bit of the gamesmanship too, but um, I, I think just Andy Reid comparing the ankle severity to 2019 is the thing that just sticks with me the most because we know that you know Patrick Mahomes was able to play through that that injury and ankle injury. In fact, I looked it up. 30 of 44, 443 yards and four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Okay. The game okay, immediately yeah. following that high ankle sprain that he sustained in that game. So it's like, okay, like if we're anticipating that happening, like sign sign me up. Like sure. Yeah, maybe you should play with a high ankle sprain Every no, game. No, do you like, stop? Don't. I, I'm not, you know, you know, I would never <laughs> wish that evil evil on anybody. But yeah, um, yeah I just found that kind of interesting. I found that kind of interesting that we're, we're, we're getting kind of all these updates. As for, you know, like I, I know there's going to be plenty of time to talk about what Mahomes can or can't do. But, you know, and, and me and, and, and Maddie kind of talked about that a little bit with, um, we kind of started kind of learning some things here and there about, you know, the, the Chiefs matchup and, and getting some updates here and there on the ankle. But, you know, do we think that they alter the game plan, game plan drastically? And I know we'll get we'll get into some of the bigger stuff, but like just high level. Do we think they're altering the game plan uh, too drastic? Because I'll just tell you, I have an article posting tomorrow on uh, on on KC Sports Network Substack, which you can hit the subscribe button, hit the uh, you can go subscribe and go pay for it. I think the Chiefs need to burrow him a little bit. I think Mahomes needs to be more intent- intentional about getting the ball out of his hands at the top of his drop. I think the Chiefs need to try to find some opportunities to get the ball out of his hands quickly. I think there's some clear routes for them to be able to do that. I think that's a piece of the formula for how this team needs to handle an injured Patrick Mahomes. Probably, right? I mean, no matter what happens, if he's limited, if Patrick Mahomes can't run around like he normally can do, like, yeah, the game plan has to change. Not not that Andy isn't a great schemer on any given week, but there's still a lot of times where I think he gives a pretty long leash to Mahomes on a lot of the stuff to know that if Mahomes doesn't hit the first read right on time is the way the play's designed up, he's probably going to make it work. And Mahomes plays into that. I think Andy lets that happen. So there's a lot, there's a lot of free, not freelancing, but there's freedom there in that play to kind of just go with your gut feeling on the play. That stuff does kind of have to go away a little bit. If Mahomes is not 100% mobile or not even hundred percent, but if he's not able to evade some of the rushers, if he's not able to get out in space and attack the line of scrimmage, to create new throwing angles and get guys and create, you know, open players. So if that's not there, yeah, there has to be a lot more structure. And part of that goes into Andy and the offensive coaching staff. I'd say more of it's Patrick Mahomes though. We've seen him go through games where he plays very on structure. It's very much take the snap, hit the drop balls out, take the snap, hit the drop balls out. We've seen him do that throughout the the time with the chiefs. So yeah, there has to be an emphasis on doing that. And I do think that changes how, an opposing defense would want to play the Chiefs. Like schematically, you can no longer just do this soft shell, keep everything in front of you, or the Chiefs will kind of nickel and dime you and paper cut you all the way down the field. So it will it will change things if that's the case. It's just, if you're the Bengals, are you ready to risk that he's not normal Patrick Mahomes and start to alter your game plan until you see it? Like you have to come out, I think, and respect what he has been throughout his entire career but you also have to spend some time this week working on what your adjustments are going to be because I think he's shown it this year. He's willing to take your five-yard passes all the way down the field a lot more frequently than he has been in the past. Yeah, for sure. And they've got some of the receiving weapons to be able to capitalize on some of that. Now, um, you know, it's not just a vertical passing game. It's not just taking deep shots. It's not taking even those longer intermediate shots. He's fine with doing all that, and they're fine running a few more bubbles, running running the screen game a little bit more and reacting a little bit. Just, Andy, if you're listening right now, please, (laughs) God, abandon the under center stretch run game, please. Right this very moment, write it out of the playbook right now. Watching that man try and get to the running back to hand the ball off this past week against the Jaguars, and I realize he's probably going to be feeling better. At the very least, he's not going to be feeling anything in that ankle by the time they get all the all or whatever in there i mean just get rid of those because it wasn't working 
It wasn't getting the job done. Everybody knew what it was immediately upon him showing up and basically getting under center. So abandon that. Walk away from that. If you have to rely on that, if he is so hurt, yes, play play some of the shorter stuff. Rely on some of that and then try and take an occasional deep shot. You still have to trust that you can take the occasional deep shot. The Bengals are going to bring pressure. They just absolutely are. They know essentially they're one good hit on Mahomes from potentially taking him out of the game. Not necessarily malicious. I'm not saying that they're going to be targeting an ankle or anything. Oh, I will. Oh, no, I mean, I've seen Trey Hendrickson alligator roll into a lot of ankles. Those I mean, are okay. dirty, dirty dudes. That's the only way they've been able to get to the level of success they've had is being a little dirty. So, yeah, yeah. they're coming after Mahomes' ankle. One might say fraudulent. The fraud goals are saying, coming after the ankle, 100%. Protect the man because he's going to want to run around. He's going to yes. want to create. Even if he's hurt, he's going to want to try and keep going. We've seen it. He is, he is a stubborn individual. And that I mean that in the best possible way. So try and take some of that out of him. Try and convince him, hey, if you're going to play, this is the game plan. And this is what we're going to roll out with. And then see what you can do with that before you start making massive tweaks. Hit the like button, please. Hit the subscribe button if you are watching this. Really appreciate everybody hanging out, watching right now. Um, Just 11 minutes ago, Patrick Mahomes said, see you Sunday, Chiefs Kingdom. So I I think you I think we all know about uh, I think we know who's playing on Sunday. Uh, we'll just find out the effect, you know how effective he's able to be. I think that's why the line on DraftKings has moved so much. A lot of people are buying that uh, that he will uh, he will uh, be uh, limited in some capacity on DraftKings. And Tucker Franklin's going to tell you a little bit more about DraftKings right now. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the same conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg at up to 100%. I love the stepped-up same-game parlays. I know DraftKings loves me making the stepped-up same-game parlays. You always feel like you got a shot, uh, and you always get the big wins. You get the big boost on their wonderful app that I just absolutely love. I think it's the best sportsbook app around can't beat it. It's very user friendly. And here's what you got to do. You got to download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Make sure you're hitting the subscribe button uh, on, on our channel just because 
any Patrick Mahomes updates that occur throughout the week. We're going to have some kind of breakdown here on KC Sports Network. We have 18 different Chiefs draft shows that are Chiefs shows that are running throughout the week, and you're going to get all kinds of updates on uh, on the Mahomes status and and whatnot throughout the week. So make sure you're uh, sitting the subscribe button so you can kind of keep up to date with with all of our reactions from a variety of different voices uh, here on KC Sports Network. And that goes for you Chiefs fans or you Bengals fans here in the chat. We appreciate you guys swinging in here. You know, you got to you want updates too on what the Froggles are facing in this upcoming game. So you want to make sure you subscribe and check it out. That way you can stay up to date when you guys fraud about in your little water cooler talk. You'll know exactly what the Chiefs have going on. We yeah. appreciate it. Angrily hit that like button. Hate you can hit subscribe. Hate subscribe for all we care. We don't, you know, we won't be talking in a week anyway. Um, okay, so oh no, we, there will be a lot of talking in a week there, kid. <laughs> Let me tell you, buddy. We're gonna so we'll we'll keep you updated on Mahomes here, is the whole point. So there's gonna be plenty of content here uh to to keep you updated on Patrick Levon Mahomes. We need to talk a little bit about the Jaguars game. We've all kind of had a chance to let that game, you know, process through our brains a little bit. And I do want to start with this because we spent some time talking about it, but it's probably worth, I think, leading with it. The Chiefs don't win that football game without a 98-yard drive orchestrated by their backup quarterback. Uh, I think that was a massive, massive moment in that football game where – yeah, you know, maybe maybe the Chiefs are able to to kind of come back, but the control of the football game is a lot different if Chad Henney doesn't orchestrate a 98-yard uh touchdown drive. And I think there's two factors in that in that in that in that drive that you need to take into consideration in a big big way. I think I think Chad Henney performed very well. Uh, and we can start with that or we can start with the offensive line and what they did in the run game. There's two different options for you there. Matthew, you pick. I'm giving you free reign to pick which one you want to one you want to start with. All right. Well, for, I'm going to answer Morgan C's question. Apparently, there's a debate raging in the chat on who the head referee is for this game, and nothing irks me more than referee talk six days out before a game. But Ron Torbert's crew is refereeing the Chiefs game. Um, I hopefully that settles the debate. According to the NFL, I believe it is Ron Torbert's crew who is refing the game, the Chiefs and Bengals games. Like, let's hopefully that's settled refs have no impact on this game until they start calling BS pass interference calls on the Chiefs. Okay, so now that we can continue. Um, the Chad Henney touchdown drive, it, it was phenomenal. I think what you saw were the Jaguars were very unsure on how the Chiefs were going to play it. They didn't know if the Chiefs were going to come out and be super passive because Mahomes wasn't there. Were they just going to try to buy time until he could come back in? Were they going to come out and be overly aggressive? Because sometimes that's what you do with a backup quarterback, just to try to catch an opposing defense sitting on their heels and not ready for stuff. Like I think they were very uncertain of what they were going to see. Chad Haney came out. The Chiefs, all of a sudden, they revert. They go back to like a stick flat RPO. They get out of all the slant stuff. Like they they go back to like their sticks and these things where everyone's just coming back, working against man coverage. Chad Haney's delivering relatively easy throw short little comeback routes or stick routes where they're working away from a man defender they're moving the ball down the field the jags still haven't sold out to stop the run yet the run game takes over for bits and pieces of that drive it was very impressive i'm not trying to diminish it i just think that drive was the perfect combination of a bunch of players were stepping up because they knew they had to and the jags weren't ready to figure out what they had to do on defense yet i think if that continued if Haney had to continue to play, I think you would have seen the Jags defense just like start ramping it up and being a little bit better and better and better. And then we would have really seen what the Chad Henney led Chiefs offense would have. But in that very well one drive, it, it was great. It was perfect. That's exactly what the Chiefs needed to win that game. Yeah, I I, I can't can attest to this because I turned to him during a timeout and I was like, you know what? I th I thought that this was a really good drive. At that point, the Chiefs had taken, you know four minutes off of the clock four minutes and nine seconds off of the clock in this drive. And I was thinking, you know what? This is, this is a really effective drive. It's buying Patrick Mahomes some time. Let me look and see what yard line we're, Oh, we're at the chiefs 35 yards. Yeah. <laughs> they, they had gained 33 yards in four minutes. It was taking the play clock down as far, as far as possible. It was running short passing routes. It was running the ball. It was basically, taking major decisions out of Chad Haney's hands. And that is so important and such a great adjustment by this offense to just try and take advantage of that. Because the goal was, let's extend this as much as possible. 
we we don't want extra you know extra drives that the Jags are out there taking with Patrick Mahomes potentially out here and especially if you've got Chad Henney starting the rest of the game slow the game down reduce possessions and made perfect sense obviously the big one there is the roughing the passer by Arden Key but that was on a conversion by the Chiefs the Chiefs did convert there added another 15 yards they were able to get things going with that big 39 yarder by Isaiah Pacheco to take it down there but very efficient very effective that is exactly why you have Chad Henney on this team for a drive like that or two drives like that. Because let's be honest, as we all know, in the NFL, you lose your starting quarterback. Unless you're the San Francisco 49ers, you are screwed. Like you you just generally are screwed. So it, you, you need somebody that can step in and hold down the fort for a couple of drives, move the ball. We've now seen Chad Henney do it in two divisional rounds and cl- help close the game out essentially because I'm looking at that drive as a way to close the game out if that drive's not there Jacksonville has a ton of momentum and they get in the ball back and it's a lot closer game than it actually should be at that point and who knows what happens after that so that's why you bring Chad Henney in really efficient really effective drive uh hit the like button hit the subscribe button if you are watching this really appreciate everybody that is uh that's hanging out the one thing about the Chad Henney drive that I think was interesting is they actually established the pass a little bit first. They actually kind of went in reverse order because they 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 hit it with a drive starter. You know, they they hit it with stick to start and then they kind of started to run the ball a little bit too. So they kind of flipped the script a little bit and gave Chad Henney some easy com- completions on some more predictable downs or some more run predictable downs and then ran the ball out of it. And so, you know, you saw a little a little opener, you know, just getting getting Chad Henney's feet well a little bit with the completion. Doesn't hasn't had very many reps under his belt this year in a live game. Get him going there. Then you get eight yards from Pacheco, uh, Pacheco, then seven yards from Pacheco. You know, and second and three, they get a little second and three manageable, try to throw the ball. Then they, you know, they 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 got some, you know, they got the sprint out going. They got the Chad Henney sprint out. Like it was just a really well orchestrated, I think, just play calling. You know, I think that was a really well called, um, well called just overall series. I do want to spend some time talking about the offensive line though, because it kind of just seems like from that point on, I mean, Orlando Brown was awful before that moment. Oof. Just, I mean, if I'm if I'm gonna single somebody out, Orlando Brown was awful. That's an understatement. Before, <laughs> like, yeah, I, like draft season, like start talking tackles bad. And it wasn't perfect from there on out, but Maddie, Maddie, what, what? Um, he, he made Arden Key like the most efficient and best pass rusher playing on a weekend that had Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons and Trey Hendrickson and whoever else you want to list for that first quarter and a half. Arden Key's just every single rush he took against Orlando Brown Jr. was resulting in either early pressure or late pressure, one or the other. Like he was taking away nothing the entire time. And I, but my whole thing with Orlando Brown Jr. is like, it's fine if you're an okay pass protector at times, and that's going to cost you a little bit if you make up for it somewhere. I never get the feeling that he makes up for it as a run blocker. Like he's fine. He's clearly better as a run blocker than uh, a pass protector, but he never like is just the, the key. He's never the key cog to any run that really happens. He's just kind of there. And it's like, it's just, it's really hard watching that game and understanding the process to go about keeping him and wanting to keep him around like for a long term and paying him a lot of money. That said, after that point, when Mahomes no longer could move as much, when Mahomes really was kind of stuck in the pocket and Chad Henney is in there and he can't move that much, he did get better throughout the games. Like I do, you know, you got to give him, give him some credit that he did get better throughout the game. Part of that's going to be the offensive play calling. Part of that's going to be, you know, what he was doing. Part of that's going to be Jarek McKinnon helping him out a little bit. Like, there's a lot of things. But, like, he started that game really, really bad. You have to hope that it's a little bit of rust from having a bye week. Don't know how you get rust in one week. But if there's ever a player that we've seen that is exponentially worse after any time off and it gets better with more playing time, it's Orlando Brown Jr. So hopefully that's the case. He's not wrong. He's really <laughs> not wrong, unfortunately. They're going to need him this weekend. They really are. Um, they got two good rushers that are that are coming after him this week. So I, it is imperative that the Chiefs figure out the left t- tackle situation long term. And through the back half of the season, we were sitting here and we were going, hey, listen, 
Orlando Brown Jr. is playing better. He's playing better. He looks much better. Things are better. And he he almost entirely ruined all of that goodwill <laughs> in about a quarter of Fast. Play. Fast. Oh. And so, like, to the point where now it, the pivot is, okay, so what, what are the Chiefs going to be doing at left tackle, uh, and, you know, this offseason again? Because you know, he has to have a much better performance than we saw there because – the rest of them right there. You look at the rest of that offensive line. They were pretty good. They were really pretty good on the rest of the day. Andrew Wiley was pretty good. Trey Smith didn't have some of his, you know, occasional roller coaster plays. He was pretty good. And then especially when they got to lean on him a little bit and let those guys play in the run game. That's obviously when those guys come alive, that's what they're built for. So they obviously did in that point, but it was really good to see that you just hope it, it's that it's that one position. It really is that one position, especially with the Gimpy Mahomes, that the large amount of the focus is rightfully on. And I didn't mean for this to turn into a five-minute session on Orlando Brown Jr. I was just really just going to make a passive comment. But what I do think is I do think the uh, offensive line, specifically from that drive moving forward, really did step up in a big way. And that includes, I think, Orlando Brown played better as the game went on. He was absolutely awful to start it and i think he got a little bit better but i think that offensive line as a whole i think you saw them step up and i think you know run blocking was really really good uh that 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 possession specifically and and mahomes didn't have a ton of time a ton of moments in that game where he was just completely overwhelmed from the pocket quickly um after that point so like this group understood the assignment they understood the task they understood the severity of what was happening and how they needed to lean on this group, not just to, you know, play well. Like, I don't think they're, hey, play good. You know, like, I don't think that's the, you know, that's the mantra. It's just, I think because of the severity of the situation, I think this team as a whole rallied around Mahomes because he's bailed them out so many times. They needed him to, they needed, they needed their team to step up in a very, very big way. And I feel like that offensive line did take a big step towards it for the remainder of that football game. And I think that's a big piece of why that drive ended in seven points and a big reason why this team wound up winning the game. For, for sure. Uh, and I think they definitely showed some stuff in the second half, just as a unit, you know, the pass protection got a lot better. They were giving up a lot less pressure. I think uh, what we have here from the, from the behind the scenes, from the producer, and it also came from the chat before this, before Mahomes injury, he was pressured on 54% of his dropbacks. And then afterwards, only 16% of wow. his dropbacks. Now the ball was coming out quicker. Ball's they gone. were making. They were very specifically. It's <laughs> very specific about getting it out quicker. But then also think the touchdown to MVS and a couple other plays. There was there was, like, there was a few longer developing plays in there. So it, they just they played better. Uh, my my one concern with the offensive line, if I'm going back to this game, there was a lot of times where they needed to not suck as a run yeah. blocking unit, and they sucked as a run blocking unit. There were <laughs> there was multiple third and ones where that team could not block anybody. And here's here's where it gets really bad. Mahomes, no matter how healthy he's going to be or not, he's not going to be 100% healthy Mahomes. That sprint out game that you utilize a lot on third downs, the one like the thing that they actually do well on third and short might not be in the playbook this week. It might not work. He might have, it might be a half roll. You're not going to get him really running to the edge though and getting to threaten with his legs and his arm. So the offensive line on these third and fourth and shorts, if you get there, they're going to have to figure out something. I mean, it might just simply be dropping back and passing. They're they're significantly better at that on third down than they are trying to run. But at least before, you could go under center and work in that play action sprint out game or rollouts and all this stuff. I don't think you can do it now. And we saw it when the Chiefs tried to man up on the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line. It did not work. Yeah, and guess who's got a better interior defensive line? The Bengals. They, they really do. DJ Reader is a potential game wrecker. And so trying to just kind of line up and lean on that run game is not going to work the same way that it did, you know, in previous games. And it's not going to work the same way that it did against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I, there's a lot of questions there. There's a lot of things that need to improve that, you know, from last week on, from an offensive line perspective. So um, got my eyes on that because yikes, if that matchup goes poorly for the Chiefs, it's, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> I think the defensive line, you've got to be encouraged by what you saw from the defensive front. I think as a whole, uh, Chris James, Chris Jones was outstanding. Like I think when I'm looking at the Jaguars game, we're still talking about the Jaguars game. That's one thing. I One of the 
carryovers that I think you're a little opt- optimistic about is it does oh, yeah. seem like this defense, the defensive line that you're going to see against the Cincinnati Bengals next week, this week is a lot better than the group that you saw, you know, the last time that these two teams played, they've improved. They're playing better there. It just, it just seems like everything across the board has been a lot better for this defensive front since that Bengals game, Maddie. It has. I think the defense has played a lot better down the stretch. Now you could make an argument just as a whole that they haven't played the highest level of competition through some of those games. Uh, the Jaguars offense is actually really good. So I don't know if that's, that's a fair uh, argument to make here, but the defensive line specifically has kind of been the catalyst, I think for that. I and mean, the chiefs have done stuff in coverage too, that we'll talk about, but the defensive line is definitely on an improving track. They've kind of been getting better and better as the years gone on. And now we've kind of gotten to the point where it's not just Chris Jones. Chris Jones is obviously the key piece. Chris Jones is obviously going to be, you know, the best defensive player on either team out there on the field. And just in any game he plays this year, besides maybe against the 49ers, you that's the only team left. I think you can make an argument that there's a better defensive player left playing in the playoffs right now. And so they have that going for him. Playoff Frank Clark showing up right now, and he's looking really darn good again. Uh, Carlos Dunlap's making plays. Colin Saunders, Derek Nottie's getting in on the action. Like everybody's doing a little bit of something on this defensive line, and it's not just four guys playing as individuals. It's four guys always playing together, oftentimes with a fifth or sixth guy because it's Steve Spagnolo, and it's just the way they're gelling together and playing complementary football there up in the front looks so good it just looks good it's aesthetically pleasing and it's productive and it's efficient and then oh by the way you can get your best interior offensive lineman matched up with our best interior defensive lineman guess what that's a one second win for chris jones more often than it's not so things are going well in the chiefs defensive line right now we're not really looking up to the Bengals yet they just had a great game with their offensive line against a super fraudulent bills defensive line so i don't know what we can make of the fraudgles offensive line in the snow oh i'm not taking i'm not taking too much away from that game they needed tyler huntley to make the dumbest play the dumbest ad lib ever to beat the the baltimore ravens i'm sorry i'm not gonna go freaking out Henny on the ravens beats the Bengals in the wild card round imagine that imagine chad Henny in the wild card round just like the browns anyway um so so yeah, I think that's going to be a big matchup to watch going forward. Is just what the Chiefs often or the Chiefs defensive line continues to look like because they've gotten a lot better. And that first round against the Bengals, it, it wasn't great. No, it really wasn't. And you know, I again, we're not previewing yet. Jacksonville Jaguars did not do a good job of handling what the Chiefs were bringing from a pressure standpoint. Steve Spagnuolo had you know Trevor Lawrence in the Lion Tamer all game long. Like absolutely, he he was in hell. And so that's why you saw a lot of inaccurate passes, a lot of stuff that was floated into the secondary, a lot of stuff behind that allowed the Chiefs defense to make plays on the ball. I don't expect that coming this next next weekend. I also don't expect them to hold the ball as much. So there is a chance there. The Chiefs' biggest strength lately has been a little bit nullified. Obviously, Chiefs are good at swatting the passes as well. We'll get into all of that at the end of the week. But I think that defensive line has a chance to really make the presence felt. Um it's certainly a lot different than it was the last time that these two teams face. And it's way different than the AFC championship game last year. Just significantly different from that regard. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Oh, no doubt. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not. We're good. We're not trying to look too much ahead to the to the to the Bengals game. But like, I think when we we always talk about like kind of narratives and storylines that carry over that are, you know, going to positively or negatively impact the outlook of this team to be able to make a Super Bowl. Well, guess what? The Chiefs are one game away from making a Super Bowl now, and so you've got to look at some of the reactions that you're having from this game are going to be positive indicators for what you're about to see on Sunday. And so like, those are two things that I take away where 
hey, look, we just got look at the pressure rate for Mahomes. And obviously the game plan changed a little bit, but Mahomes was still efficient as a passer and effective as a passer still. Uh, maybe not to the same level that we've become accustomed to, but we're accustomed to seeing literally the best player on the planet. And so, yeah, maybe we were normalized a little bit, but it was still pretty good. And that offensive line and getting the ball out of his hands, everything was well protected. Everything was kind of, you know, well organized and well synced up to be able to still move the ball effectively enough to win a football game. Uh, and then the defensive line on the inverse side. So like there's some, I think there's some positive indicators on both sides of the ball for this team where you're looking at it going from a 50,000 foot perspective. All right. Okay. Like we can, we can work with this a little bit, you know, we can work with this a little bit moving forward. So I'm excited to see, uh, and I'm sure we'll be, we'll be discussing that even in graver detail <clears throat> as the, as the week goes on. Well, here's a fun stat just for that too. Um, Patrick Mahomes on the season, his EPA per play is first in the league at 0.302, right? First in the league. Woo, he's the best in the league. Shocking. As always, sit down. For <laughs> best player in the world. Next, Patrick Mahomes on one leg, 0.28. Guess what that is? That's second in the NFL on one leg. That's how good he was playing with one leg. One leg. Where's Joe Burrow? Second. Oh, hold on. Let me scroll. Let me scroll. Hold on. Scroll. Oh, Scrolling. sorry. I couldn't. I was. I was looking for a big F for fraud goals. It said it's a B here. Um, Joe Burrow is a, a solid seventh, eighth, oh. but if you include a one-legged Patrick Mahomes, okay. Just curious. No, that's 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 interesting. <laughs> there is no love lost here. There is really no love lost here. I love it. Hit the like I button. Genuinely, Hit cannot stand the Bengals. Can't stand them. Cannot stand them. But I love having a real rivalry. Like I love it because the, there's none in the AFC West. The AFC West is a. You think the the Bengals are frauds? Look at the AFC West. They can't yeah. even get invited to the fraud table. They're so bad. <laughs> it's fun to have a team. It's fun to have a team that I absolutely cannot stand, like the Bengals being semi good, somewhat. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'll win a Super Bowl one year in their lifetime. Maybe. Uh, so like, it's fun. I enjoy having it. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Angrily hit the like. Rage hit the like. Rage hit the subscribe. We don't care. Uh, hit hit some rage comments. I don't care. Just keep it like relatively mild i don't know just don't you know we've seen a few things we probably shouldn't be saying on here just just keep it relatively civil but run your mouth if you'd like both sides i don't care uh but uh yeah okay so anything else from the jaguars game any big takeaways from the jaguars game you want to you want to just kind of bring to light matthew yeah um i think I think it's been a huge deal. Uh, we had Legereus Steen has switched out to playing outside cornerback a ton because he's been shadowing guys. They didn't do that necessarily against the Jags that much. He was still mostly in the slot. But what you saw was the same carryover in terms of they weren't always blitzing Legereus Sneed. It, everything Steve Spagnuolo did from blitzing from the secondary wasn't Legereus Sneed as the apex off the edge. They were getting Justin Reed dropping down into the box, and they were bringing safety pressure up the middle or off the edge. And a lot of times they paired that also with Willie Gay blitzing or someone else. But I think changing the location of that blitz is actually, it's been huge for the Chiefs. What you've had with good offenses and the Bengals have done probably better than this than any other team, right? They are picking up the Chiefs blitzes, especially when it's Sneed coming wide out of the slot. They do a good job protecting themselves, picking up on it, calling their max protect stuff, and just sending two to three guys out in a route. They've been really good at that. The Jaguars were kind of prepared for it. It didn't work, but they were preparing for it. All of a sudden, now these past few weeks, the Chiefs are bringing safety pressure up the middle when they want to blitz a DB rather than sneed off the edge. And it's causing a lot more problems than I think opposing offenses are ready for. I mean, how many times was Justin Reed or Willie Gay running completely free right up the middle at Trevor Lawrence? And it was just over and over. And even when they would telegraph it, they would either get Colin Saunders running free at Trevor <laughs> Lawrence, or they would get one of these DBs coming up the middle. So I really love the adjustment that they've had to have Justin Reed kind of be this box player and blitzer rather than it always being Sneed. So I think that's something to keep an eye on because the Chiefs blitz last time. We're not trying to preview the Bengals game, but it all wraps together. The last time the Chiefs played the Bengals, the blitz was terrible. It got eaten alive, but I think it was because it was so telegraphed for a team that has a good read on it. I really do think this change is going to play a big part once we kind of get later in the week talking about it. I mean, yeah, uh, we we went several weeks with Steve Spagnuolo basically barely blitzing by his standards. Uh, you know, he's certainly up there. He's at top 10 in blitz rate. But, you know, he wasn't bringing the heat in the same ways that he normally was before. 
it was kind of predictable a little bit and they were relying on guys to get open um a lot of the defensive line stuff was working when they bring that extra guy and they get those one-on-ones and so they were able to capitalize on some of that stuff now all of a sudden you're starting to see the extra wrinkles and you're starting to see some of the extra wrinkles in coverage and you're starting to see some of these things that we talked about all year long it's like hey is this going to happen we know steve spagnola has this in his hip pocket but we're not seeing it as much this year and it looks like he purposefully sheathed a lot of it even with a young group purposefully kept it off of the play sheet on a regular basis and that's very interesting he's normally a guy that kind of puts everything out there and you just don't know what he's going to run at any given time and that makes me excited because there are opponents in these games that i'm certain the chiefs were looking a little bit ahead for not looking past like the Jaguars or anything, but looking a little bit ahead. And Steve Spagnuolo has got to be sitting there going, I have been saving these coverage calls, these blitz packages, this sort of stuff specifically for this opponent and knowing that that's the case. And it makes a lot of sense with what the Chiefs ran against both of the other teams on the other side of the bracket in the regular season. It was very basic. There wasn't a whole lot of unpredictability there. Now all of a sudden you're starting to see a little bit of that. Just a, just a spice of that in there. So I'm very curious to see what happens. But yes, Maddie's right. They, they've been ramping some stuff up, moving some guys around. And that's definitely a wrinkle that he's added very late in the season. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We're going to be doing stickers, slaps, spirits, and game balls here in, in a minute. Uh, that means uh, chat if you want to start putting together a game ball. Uh, a player you want to give a game ball to, but Maddie does have one more thing he wants to talk about this about this Cincy game, uh, a, a narrative about Cincy Chiefs, real quick before we get out of here. Yeah, uh, so it, it's no secret the Cincinnati Bengals are three and overs the Chiefs in this Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes like uh, dueling fest here of quarterbacks. They have won three times. Um, the Bengals fans and everybody want to talk about how they're owning the Chiefs and stuff like that, and I get it. They've won three. They haven't lost once. Like it, it, they feel pretty good. I, the owning part, though, and people talking about how they don't think the Chiefs have a chance is a little, is a little interesting to me. All three of these games, all three of these games, there has been pretty much one play in every single one that I don't want to say was luck, but isn't easily replicable. It's not something you can bank on repeating again. That has been the reason they've won. So you look at the first game; it was the third and forever, and which Steve Spagnuolo brought a blitz. Jamar Chase made a great catch down the sideline. This is the most repeatable one is that particular play, but like that's still one play. That one play right there changes that entire outlook of that game. Or you can pick any of the 900 BS DPI penalties they called in that game too. That's number one. Number two, in the playoffs, the fastest man in the NFL catches a little swing pass right before halftime. And instead of trying to win a foot race to the pylon, thinks that he has to go shake at cornerback in the open field. And that changes the entire outlook of that game. Credit to, I believe it was Eli Apple that made the tackle. Credit mm-hmm. to the player making it, but just you're the fastest player in the league. Go run to the pylon and win. And then finally, you have Travis Kelsey dragging some fraudulent linebacker for 12 yards. Then finally, at the very end, after getting drug around like a child, he pops the ball out and forces a fumble when the Chiefs hadn't been stopped up to that point more than one time all game, right? These three plays, credit to the Bengals players for making them. They made them and won the game. But if you're going to tell me that you're relying on a play like a third and 20, conversion like a fastest player in the league makes one of the biggest mental guffaws of all time and not just running towards the pylon or that you're going to bank on Travis Kelsey dragging a tackler for 12 yards and then losing a fumble as only one on the year like if that's what you're relying on to win the game I got one word for you fraudulent that's been rant lane rant you lane all right stickers slap spirits in game ball time uh, I will go with a uh, helmet sticker. I'm going to go ahead and give a helmet sticker to Jalen Watson, making an outstanding one-handed interception. Uh, that's got to be a big confidence booster for a guy who has slowly continued to get more and more opportunities in this defense. The snap count continues to go up. He he beat out a fourth-round pick, Joshua Williams, uh, for opportunities. And, and, you know, they needed Joshua Williams a little bit later in that game. But I want to give a shout-out to Jalen Watson. Uh, and also... I, why are there of you guys going Brian Cook? No, but I'm going to write about him. Okay. This week. No, I'm Coming not going to go Brian Cook whatsoever. Uh, so Jalen Watson is my helmet sticker. Uh, butt slapping a good job, Matthew. Who you got? Oh, but why am I? Okay. I thought I was last. Um, you are always, always after middle. me. 
always like middle. Everything we do. There are very few scenarios where you don't talk after me. There's like an unwritten rhythm we've created. As okay, so I'm going to go ahead and go with Jarek McKinnon. I'm going with Jet McKinnon um, because he is out here absolutely positively destroying rushers, destroying blitzers and, you know, pass pro and blitz pickup. He didn't have, this was like the least productive receiving or rushing game McKinnon's had. There was a couple nice runs in there where he picked up yards when he needed to, but it's really just for the pass protection. The Jags were trying to send pressure. They wanted to go hit Mahomes because, you know, he was, couldn't move as well. They wanted to get pressure on him. And McKinnon's out there laying guys out that are coming on pressure. He took the NFL's leading tackler two years in a row and sent him to the shadow realm for a minute. I don't know how that man didn't have to get pulled out of the game for a concussion. He looked lost after that little bit of contact. So, Jake McKinnon, I and mean, there's a reason he's a playoff captain. He's been absolutely phenomenal, even if it doesn't show up in the uh, in the stat sheet. Um, whole ass bottle of vodka for Chris Jones. Um, I know that man didn't have a sack. I know that you know you're gonna look at his stat line and go, eh, you know, it is what it is. Chris Jones was a menace. Like he he constantly had a double team on him, and he was still three yards in the backfield all game long he was an absolute terror that man wants a playoff sack like he wants anything else in his life and he's going up against the one guy who's been motivating him all year long coming up this weekend so a whole ass bottle of vodka for chris jones this week i got three whole ass bottles of vodka for him after next week's performance uh, we're seeing a lot of love for Jarek McKinnon getting the game ball. Uh, we've seen uh, a, a let me see it. We've seen a little bit of uh, Kadarius Tony. So there's a couple people getting a game ball from the chat. The next time you see this or hear this program, Craig, Maddie, and I will be together. We'll be in Las Vegas covering the East West Shrine Bowl. We'll have everything covered for Chiefs, Bengals, and the AFC Championship, the fifth straight AFC Invitational. We cannot wait. The game preview edition, if you thought today was impassioned, just you wait. It's going to continue to ramp up throughout this week. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much. Prayers to Patrick LeVon Mahomes' ankle, and we'll catch you later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.